Blog Talk Radio. Let me tell you about something new. A new show called G's Power. G's Power. Real talk for real saints. Are you ready? And it's for real. Welcome to G's Power Hour live every weekday at 1130 a.m. on Never Had It So Good Entertainment Network. Your host, G, will bring you informative and entertaining guests and a variety of topics in a way that you can absorb and enjoy. Listen in weekdays and call in at 516-387-1944. We love interaction. All shows can be downloaded if you miss one or found on iTunes the next day. G's Power Hour is powered by Never Had It So Good Sports Media Network. Well, good morning, brothers and sisters, kings and queens, angels and saints, ladies and gentlemen, TGIF. Welcome to G's Power Hour on Never Had It So Good Entertainment. I am your host, G. Thank you so much for being with us today. Hope that you have been celebrating a wonderful beginning to uh, 2024 and, uh, you know, looking forward to the rest of the year. I hope you got your game plan nailed down. And if not, we're going to try to do some tidbits here and there to help you kind of do that. But, you know, it's the first Friday of the month. We do finances, uh, talk about the economy on the first Friday of the month. And we are pleased to welcome back Mr. Paul Z. Shelton of Warwick Shore Advisors. Good morning and Happy New Year. Good morning and Happy New Year. I'm happy to be here. Thank you so much for the opportunity. How are you? How's your family and how how was your holiday? I hope you had some sort of break. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, we had a a good holiday break. Uh, uh, We did have a a little bad news of a a passing in the family um, that was near and dear to us. But nonetheless, we are grateful to God and and we we still have love. We still are grateful for all the things that we do have. And I I would say all in all, we had a great holiday season. I, I hope the same for you as well. Yes, thank you. You know, some uh, illness in the family and stuff, and you definitely have our prayers. You, No question about that. You know that um, with thank you, you and, um, you know, in the, you know, G's Power Hour family, you know, not just the staff, but, you know, everybody that listens. Um, so, uh, but, yes, it, 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 was, it was nice. It was kind of uh, low-key, sort of. And and uh, well and mine actually I was working but not working uh, with my new business so basically my car was working I was not <laughs> and then that was you know, that worked so but anyway there's a lot to talk about so I yes, am going to just is. let you go ahead and, and pick the topic of choice <laughs> to go forward with so go ahead please okay well you know my my favorite economic data report was was released today at 8.30 this mm-hmm. morning, and it's the, the jobs report, or um, effectively called the jobs report. It, it is a breakdown of about eight different um, metrics in there. So inside the jobs report, you have average, average hourly earnings, month over month, mm-hmm. year over year, participation rate, the actual unemployment rate, um, government payrolls, manufacturing, and non-farm payrolls. So what we really focus on is the non-farm payrolls um, every month. And, and what we saw in the month of December was an increase by 216,000 um, over the previous month of November being 173,000, and that's um, inclusive of revisions. The expectation was that we would come in at 170,000 in the month of December um, because that's, that's what the I thought. We- that's what I heard, yeah, like 160 or something like that. Correct, because that's the, that's the way we've been trending. Um, typically, there is some seasonality in the report during the um, the fourth quarter because you do have additional hiring that takes place around the holiday season to support that, which is a good thing. Um, that shows that mm-hmm. our economy is thriving and people are um, committing to commerce. Um, however, uh, the picture and the position that this paints the Federal Reserve in is a, a stance of higher for longer, you know, something that we've talked about before with maintaining higher interest rates for a longer period of time as opposed to immediately cutting those rates um, as anticipated. Right. 
starting in March. So it's, it's uh, kind of putting the the Federal Reserve in a point to see should we cut interest rates um, and, and stymie more economy when potentially inflation hasn't really dissipated like we thought it did and made it just, you know, slow down for a period of time. And if they do cut rates, uh, will that lead to excess inflation and put us back into a reversal pattern that we've seen um, over the last two years coming out of the pandemic or so? So just breaking down the the, uh, unemployment numbers a little bit more, the unemployment rate actually did, was forecasted to rise to 3.9%, but actually dropped to 3.7%, which is a tenth of a basis point lower than where it was last year, at, I should say last month, um, month before at 3.8%. Um, the participation rate did tick down um, a little bit. It was 62.8%, now it's at 62.5%. So that could be part of the factoring in and why we saw such an increase in, in the um, unemployment rate, just some of the metrics or the decrease in employment rate, I should say, there's, there's just been a change in that numerator and denominator and how they, they fluctuate. That's not a significant change in the participation rate, but it does show that um, there are less, less, a lesser amount of working age individuals that are traditionally looking for jobs that are currently maybe discouraged and starting to step away from the workforce. Now, when I say discouraged, that can not necessarily always mean a bad thing. Sometimes when we look at the employment data, we say they're discouraged because they're not looking for employment, but oftentimes they may not be looking for employment because they may have um, become an entrepreneur and launched a business, or they may be closer to retirement and taking an early retirement. So even though we say a discouraged um, worker out there, that may be a little bit misleading on the surface for the the true uh, definition of that. Um, so overall, it was a it's a it's a decent um, economic our data point. It's a decent jobs report. Um, just unfortunately, where we are currently in the economy, um, it's still a guessing game as to how the Federal Reserve is going to um, play this number. They've signaled over the last couple months that they will not raise rates anymore, and, and organically, we've seen rates come down, which has been a good thing. Mm-hmm. Um, a great thing for the economy, but this this number, you know, has caused Wall Street to react a little bit off of it earlier with the future shooting down um, for the fear that the Federal Reserve may jump in and have to, uh, you know, raise rates or keep rates higher for longer. That's that's pretty much the, the gist of the jobs report. I would highlight that, you know, we're starting to see a continued change in our sectors that are really driving you know, the economy right now, as we were coming out mm-hmm. of the pandemic and recovering from the pandemic, you know, hospitality, leisure, and healthcare were the primary leaders of new jobs added. Um, as of now, mm-hmm. hospitality and leisure is no longer mentioned, which um, is a big driver of our local economy here. But what we do mm-hmm. see uh, still in there is healthcare, which is great. And, and healthcare is something that is going to continually grow. Um, in our region, in the Florida economy, in Central Florida as well. And um, we've seen also construction and government and social assistance um, jobs also lead the way um, in, the, in the December non-farm payrolls report. So let me ask you, because November, December are primarily um, holiday months where people do things out of the norm, they may travel more or they may host more, which means more spending on things like uh, preparing the home and, and food for guests and, and other things. Uh, there's more driving so and all that type of stuff. So uh, are those factors in terms of you know holiday spending taken into consideration um, from month to month? Or like, for example, is there a comparison from – December of 2023 to 2022 and all of that type of stuff. Correct. Yeah. So there, there is a, you know, they, they do produce the data and look at it on a, on a linear and a log linear basis as well. So it kind of eliminates any noise that may be in there from a statistical standpoint. So when you look mm-hmm. at the data just on the surface uh, year over year, December of, of 2022, uh, we were roughly adding about the same amount that we're adding now. So it's a little over 
you know, 220,000 jobs that were added, 230,000 jobs that was added to the economy a year ago in the same report. Go to the year prior to that, um, where we were, you know, in the midst of the pandemic, December of 2021, but still recovering, added more jobs. We added just mm-hmm. under 600,000 jobs to the report. So we're, we're seeing that downward trend overall. Uh, I mean, you are perfectly correct that there is a lot of seasonality to it with people getting jobs, people shopping, doing different things of that nature. And, and sometimes uh, one thing that gets overshadowed and overlooked is um, potentially there are increases in unemployment in certain sectors, um, particularly in education. There's a lot of educational employees that are, 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 that are not contracted at the time when um, school is out for the winter break and when school is mm-hmm. out during the summer. So a lot of them, you know, fall into that unemployment category as well in there. Okay, so, and, and that's, uh, I'm, I'm curious about that. So when a person, let's say, is not, if, if they are in education and they are not working for a certain period of time, um, and which I really, to be honest, never really thought about until I started doing, um, you know, some work with, with my um, church's school. Uh, so, yeah, there's a period of time where you're not working. Do you file unemployment for just that period of time? I mean, if if you know that you're coming back, let's say into the some into the school year, you know you're coming back for the fall. Are you still really considered unemployed? So there is a metric that um, the same data that we look at on a monthly basis is gets a little bit more granular and it's looked at on a weekly basis. So those numbers change often week to week. And when you look at it on a weekly basis, you do see that there are a lot of, uh, a, a lot of increases, you know, in certain cases, you know, week to week or decreases week to week. And in certain parts of the month, certain times of the month, there, it may be higher or lower. And, and that's typically, you know, because of situations in that nature. Um, there may be paraprofessionals. There may be, you know, bus drivers or, or, or some of those employees that are not contracted um, throughout the year that are off, and they may be off for three weeks or they may be off for, you know, four weeks if they do not come back immediately uh, when the school does start. And then when the school does start and they return, it may still be a two-week period before they get their first paycheck. So there could be a, a 30-day period overall in, in which there is a lapse in their income, and they do um, file that weekly unemployment um, claim at that point in time. Okay, so so they can file for unemployment. I, I I really never thought about that before, so that's good to know. So, um, all right, I wanted to ask a little bit about um, – the, uh, and, and I know I'm shifting, really, really shifting hard in terms of gears, but something that, that's been in the news uh, about uh, a new a bill um, in Florida that would, uh, and I don't know if it's a law now, I have to go look, because I sometimes I listen on a cursory level and I miss the, the two, and I know there's a difference, uh, that requires um, businesses in, in um, a lot of cases now to accept cash from consumers where they, in the past, they did not, or actually, I guess, in some cases, some uh, businesses stopped accepting cash during COVID. So um, my question is, how much does it make a difference on the economy whether consumers are using cash versus credit? Uh, that's a good question, and I'm not too familiar with that bill on the surface and all the details and the requirements around it, because um, I would imagine in certain cases, uh, being a, a cashless business may create harm, because uh, we've seen that mm-hmm. with, with certain types of clients and things of that nature. But I, I think uh, there is always going to be a need to have fiat money in the economy, um, and that's the paper bills, the coins, the, the currency that we use and that we transact with is M2 money, as it's, it's classified as the M2 supply. Um, there's always a need to have that in economy. I don't think that it will necessarily affect adversely the economy if, if we still have that. You're, you're going to have the adopters that are going to continue to use um, continue to use, uh, you know, other forms of payments, such as debit cards, credit cards, and, and 
tactics at that point are virtual money, as that you know is essentially called now, and those that are trying mm-hmm. to use in, in currency. Um, I don't foresee it over you know affecting the economy overall. Um, there's always been, even with the advent of the banking system, and you know on a traditional stance as it is now, um, there are still people that you know prefer to to hold cash and people that prefer mm-hmm. to use in, in that, that stance, and that hasn't really affected the overall economy thus far. So I don't think that it that it will um, uh, create too much of a too much of a, a stance on this. I know one of the things that was mentioned, and I like I said, a cursory look at the article, is, and I did hear uh, about it on on the news. I think this morning or yesterday morning. But uh, it, it seems that also too, man, using cash is is very much a, a generational type of thing. That older uh, Americans yeah. have a preference toward using cash and and i i am kind of one of those people and it's like you know what's mm-hmm. wrong with the cash okay we're still making it what's you know i mean i know it, the value goes up and down but i mean you know it, you know, what's wrong with the cash but you know and, and and then also i get into this thing where you know people talk about well you know you can send money through zelle and other types of things and like I, you know, I, and you know the the tech person that I have on monthly, Burton, can tell you how uh, <laughs> tech averse I am on some things. Cash is one of the, uh, or, or money is somewhat one of those things. Although I've gotten better at it for a number of reasons, but um, I just was curious, like when business, when someone, when some, when a business refuses to accept cash from a consumer. Um, does that cut, in your opinion, does that cut into their profitability in terms of people that may not want to deal with them because of the fact that they don't accept cash? Uh, I, I could say that it potentially it could, um, and I guess it all would depend on the type of business and, and then, you know, the transactions that are transmitted for that business. Um, you know, it, it could if, if you limit yourself to only accept another means, but then there would be a reason why you may only accept other means, and it could be based on security reasons. And if you choose to do so, um, then that's uh, that's you know just the way that works out there. I know uh, with most you know professional services, like you look at um, you know like for my company, for example, you know I never been paid in cash. I've never had anyone offer me cash or anything of that nature. Um, you know, most doctor bills or, you know, physicians and things of that nature, some, most of the time, you know, it's, it's not rendered in cash or taken care of in cash when you are paying or the deductible or reimbursing your insurance for your portion of the payment. So a lot of times, you know, accepting cash oftentimes will slow down the operations of, of most businesses. Um, for one, they don't have a cash management process on hand, and two, it, it will require them to, to go physically to a local branch and deposit that cash so that they would be able to transact uh, with other merchants in the, in the future uh, to, to buy the inventory or products or services that they need in order to run their business. So I, I can see that being a, a the pushback or the hindrance for you know, many business owners as to why they would not want to accept cash. Um, but it's, it's very interesting to, to see how that deal would play out, you know, and, and and what kind of support, I guess, what the foundation is to, to require that to, to, to be the case. We are here with Paul Z. Shelton of Warwick Shore Advisors. And if you have questions or comments, the number is 516-387-1944. Well, actually, we're not taking questions today, but um, if you do have questions for the future, for the next month's show, you know, don't hesitate to leave me a message on the G's Power Hour Facebook page. This is G's Power Hour on Never Had It So Good Entertainment, and we will be right back. At Vintage Labs Collection, 
We are a multifaceted team of medical professionals dedicated to delivering the best quality products to patients. Our mission is to deliver the best supplement and patient outcomes in healthcare environments and consumer homes. Chat with our consulting pharmacists by visiting our website at www.vintagelabscollection.com. Supplements are not highly regulated, but Vintage Labs holds the standards higher than most. This is Douglas Dobbs of Dobbs Cremation and Funeral Service. We have served the Central Florida community for 29 years with quality funeral and cremation services. Honoring all religions and faith, we have been here for many grieving families. Whether it's a complete funeral service with a burial or a simple dignified cremation, Dobbs Cremation and Funeral Service is here for you. Located at 430 North Kirkman Road at the 408 Expressway, Dobbs Cremation and Funeral Service, 407-578-7720. Dobbs dedicated to serving our families. Good morning. Welcome back to G's Power Hour on Never Had It So Good Entertainment. I am your host, G. Thanks so much for being with us today. We are talking finances. We're dealing with the economic news and getting it broken down for us uh, with Paul Z. Shelton, Jr. of Warwick Shore Advisors. And so, Paul, one of the other things that I saw, you know, I scanned through some headlines this morning, and I wanted to kind of get your take on an article that I really want to delve into more uh, later on um, this year, and that is about uh, low economic uh, women, business women, uh, not necessarily feeling confident in their abilities to uh, do business or contribute um you know economically and stuff like that uh what what is your take on that do you observe um any trends that impact uh people women especially uh business you know business people on the lower end of the economic scale in terms of their ability to do business and 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 um you know what they're what they're able to or what they do contribute um yeah, let me see if i Fully understand. I'm sorry. So you, the article was saying that uh, women are unable to contribute. Um, well, they Lord, were saying they they lack, I guess, the confidence or or the self esteem um, or, or to be able to um, do well or contribute um, as business people in, in you know the in the economy. And I guess one of my concerns is. Is that could that possibly be you know how we talk about the success uh, rate or you know how long it you know takes before a small business fails? And I was wondering if that might have something to do. And the reason I ask you because you know you're not only a small business person yourself, but you know you sit on boards and you get a lot of information. And I was wondering what you see with regards to uh, let's say. Uh, small business women versus um, small businessmen in terms of their success rate and, and what what you see maybe or what you sense maybe in regards to uh, what what may be causing them to fail. Do you think that maybe their uh, belief in the product, belief in themselves as a business person, has something to do with the success or failure rate? Yeah, and that's a great question. Yeah, so – I, I do believe that latter, what you said there, that, that internal belief system may be the the production of, you know, what causes the success or fail rate in that um, I've had the great opportunity to work with many, interact and not only work with, but interact with many uh, minority women business owners um, and business professionals um, in the industry locally here and, in, in, you know, nationally. And... I would say that I've seen far more success stories than the failure stories. I have seen a, a recent failure story of a business that didn't succeed, and that was more so because the um, potential or the individual business owner was kind of fragmented and going in different directions. Um, they were running a business, but trying to run it more so as an absentee owner, but really the business mm. needed a little bit more hands-on attention. So that's ultimately, um, to me, that's what led to that that business uh, falling and failing. Um, That could be true for any individual, whether it's male, female, minority or not. 
um, if you're not giving it the attention it needs, then it would fail. Now, were there other factors that could cause maybe that lack of attention? Potentially, yes, but I think it was just more so um, not devoting the, the, the necessary time needed to, to make it work. Um, so I, I would say overall, I think women have a, a greater advantage. And when you look at economic data or when you just look at any any financial data, and mm-hmm. if you compare a, uh, a female CEO to a male CEO, now, oftentimes the returns of that company are, are much greater for the female CEO. Um, women, um, they have that ability to be able to recognize when something is going to be a loss and, and cut that loss and get rid of it and move on without having an emotional attachment to it. I know that's definitely true in the investment management industry. Oftentimes, men are, you know, we say we're not emotionally attached to an investment or to a decision that we've made, but we have that strong sense of proving that we were not wrong, that we become emotionally attached to it. And Mm, I I know that's something that's very, very powerful in in women that are leaders, women leadership, is that they, they don't do that. They're able to say, okay, this was a good idea. Let's go with it. Or this was a bad idea. I made a I made a mistake. Let me get rid of it now to cut my losses, as opposed to trying to make a loser a winner. So I I, I would say just from what I've seen, um, potentially, you know, women, you know, if they have that confidence, then of course they're they're going to do it. They're going to, you know, be much more successful. And I think that. The, the atmosphere and the business landscape doesn't always lend itself to the greatest opportunity for women um, in the uh-huh. in business. But the uh-huh. women that get into business and um, that have the mindset to do it, there's nothing that can stop them. And I, I've seen that across the level for many things from, from attorneys, physicians, uh-huh. to um, estheticians, and, you know, all, all levels, you know, of, of professional services and businesses. Construction as it well. So, it's interesting to me that you talk about emotions because women are always, you know, you know, put into this stereotype about being too emotional. Um, and it's just interesting to me to hear you say something about the women being less emotional uh, about, you know, cutting losses and, and whatnot. Uh, so mm-hmm. that so that kind of debunks that whole. Uh, myth about women being too emotional to be, you know, successful in, in business. So I'm glad to hear you say that. Um, yeah, yeah. And I, I truly believe that um, 100%. I know the the mantra and the, the social stigma out there is that, you know, men are, are macho and, and, you know, not as emotional. And, and in some cases, I'm sure that's pretty true, but I think a lot of times um, men hide their emotions behind the decisions they make in work. Um, and that plays into a whole other conversation. But uh, I, I really have seen, and, and this is something that you can just Google, um, women investment managers, female investment managers versus male investment managers, and just look at the returns and the statistics. And it is proof in the pudding. You can see it clear as day that, you know, wow. when, you know when they make an investment decisions that they typically um, – they're they're much better at cutting their losses and moving on. Well, I, and I, I wonder when you were saying this, I was wondering. I said, is is it partly because of of um, it, the the dynamic in the household? For example, women have to budget time and finances more, especially when it comes to uh, budgeting for meals, budgeting for you know, household uh, products that are needed and, and stuff like that. Um, you know, we, we think about men handling the money, but the women have to say, okay, it takes this usually, and I may be stereotyping, but um, I, I, I think usually um, women are more prone to say, okay, this requires this amount of money, okay, and this we don't really need. You know, so I think they, they they may be more inclined to do the same with their business. Like, okay, I need money for this. This is really not necessary. So guess what? This is going to go, um, and we're going to have to devote more time and, and money and effort 
for for that. Yeah. Yeah. So. A very, very. It, that's a very. It's a very interesting conversation. Um, I, I would yeah. say, nonetheless, it, it is very interesting, and and uh, I think the data would surprise you know many people when they would look at it to see, you know, what the truth is. So we are going to take a break. When we come back, uh, Paul, I want to ask you about uh, any, um, I guess. Advice for 2024. What do you what do you see coming uh, in 2024 that should be of the biggest concern? Um, I also want to ask you about the impact of uh, what's going on in the global economy and in global politics, especially with um, the wars right now. So uh, we're going to take a break. We're here with Paul Z. Shelton of Warwick Shore Investments. I mean, excuse me, Advisors. This is G's Power Hour. I never had it so good entertainment, and we will be right back. This is Douglas Dobbs, owner and funeral director at Dobbs Cremation and Funeral Service. We have served the Central Florida community with two generations of family funeral service. With the recent addition of my son Brandon, we are here to take care of the needs of Central and West Orlando. From simple cremation to a full burial, Dobbs Cremation and Funeral Service is here to help you. Located at 430 North Kirkman Road at the 408 Expressway, Dobbs Cremation and Funeral Service, 407-578-7720. Dobbs dedicated to serving our families. Over the past 60 years, Dove Beauty Bar's superior formula has remained unchanged. But when it comes to beauty, everything changed. Together, we redefined beauty. We said no to stereotypes and yes to every type. We let go of judgments and embraced what makes us unique. We're proud to have been there with you, caring for you every step of the way. Here's to the next 60 years. Good afternoon. Welcome back to G's Power Hour on Never Had It So Good Entertainment. I am your host, G. Thanks so much for being with us and hope you are planning to have a wonderful weekend. I mean, just because this is, the holidays are just about over doesn't mean that you need to, you know, stop planning that family time. You know, uh, tonight I think they have the movie on, on the lawn at Lou Gardens. You know, that's one of my favorite places. So you might, might want to consider that among some, some other things going on this weekend. And, uh, you know, also just remember, uh, oh, uh, there's activities um, for Zora that are this weekend as well. So um, I will post a calendar on the G's Power Hour Facebook page or a link so that you can – I think I already did – so that you can uh, look and find out what's going on with uh, the Zora Neale Hurston Festival so far. So here with Paul Z. Shelton Warwick Shore Jr. and I mean, Paul Z. Shelton Jr. of Warwick Shore Advisors. My brain, I need to slow it down. I swear, got to got to do that. One of my resolutions this year. So, so Paul, um, I guess what I want to start with because it's been so prevalent in the news is um, the the global stage in terms of wars and other things that are you know going on and how that impacts us and how do you expect that to impact us as we go forward in 2024? Yeah, so. Unfortunately, you know, you, you always have conflict um, in the world. I shouldn't say always, but it seems to always be that way. And there's something that was prophesied in the Bible, you know, that there, there would be conflict, especially in the Middle East uh, region. And that's something that we are currently still seeing right now at this point. And unfortunately, um, it, it does uh, affect us all globally. Um, the hope is that it will not escalate too much to the point where we have to intervene, but we did see some intervention from the U.S. recently um, with some of the uh, pushback that's taken place in the Middle East. I believe it was a U.S. carrier that downed, I think, 12 um, Houthi boats, or Haiti boats, however you pronounce that, that were militants that were trying to attack um, and, and add some escalation into the Middle East. Um, we, we see that, you know, Russia... Um, it appears that Russia and North Korea are working together, and um, Russia is using some North Korean missiles or types of missiles to attack the Ukraine, and and those things like that they they only create volatility and and, and excess uh, fear in the market. And, and whenever there is volatility, there's fear. Um, there there'll also be you know a proper possibility for the markets to 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 pull back and, and to fall and and to see some turbulent times. So. 
those are those are some things that you know we definitely have to be mindful of. We definitely have to keep an open eye to as we uh, as we move forward. And, and on top of that, we do have um, political season in full swing in the U.S. So you know a lot of that can be caught up in the political rhetoric and the campaigning that we see, um, and, and could be really politicized and and create even more angst, fear, and volatility in the market. Okay, so a question just occurred to me. Is there a pie, per se, where, or a pie chart, as most people would consider, where you would break down how much do certain, or should, let's say, certain factors play a role in economic decision-making, for example? How much do uh, global events play a role? How much do uh, or should um, political events here local, in, the United, in the United States play a role? How much, of, of course, should um, things like, uh, you know, we, we've got the, the regular stuff like oil and, and, and uh, other things that, that go on in terms, you know, like jobs, of course. How, you know, how do you determine how much certain factors should play a role in decision-making with regards to finances, with regards to the economy? Uh, I think that's done really on a macro level, and it's different for every individual. I, I know that uh, every, every just like a financial plan and every individual has a a different stance, a different position that they're in financially, and, um, you know, no one, you know, solution fits all. Um, the same is true on the macro level with um, government. The same is true on the micro level when you look under that with um, companies, um, national companies, domestic brands, and international brands. Um, they all have to weigh their separate separate allegiances and separate alliances and and what's going to be best for them? I know right now a lot of companies that are are um, that transport energy and oil um, in the Middle East, in the Gaza Strip, in that whole area, they're having to really, you know, reconsider and reevaluate a lot of things that they're doing in that region um, in this current time and, and season that we're in. One, from the standpoint of um, safety for their employees, safety for the product, uh, humanitarian aid, and and uh, you know, assistance and things of that nature. So there's, uh, you know, there's not necessarily a, a pie chart or a formula that says, hey, you know, when things arise in this situation, we have to, um, we have to shift and, and and play the book in this this particular manner. I think it all is just kind of um, there's a footprint there that's understood that where risk and volatility could arise. And then you have to assess the situation and do triage and, and say, you know, this is what's currently going on now. This is how we're positioned. And how should I play defense to defend my company? How should I play defense to defend my, my retirement, my overall personal wealth, and uh, the things that could arise in the future? Um, because, you know, we are a very globally interconnected society and global economy. You know, things that happen in the Middle East, whether it's with energy or gas prices or things of that nature will affect us locally here. You know, if we see a spike in gas prices, that is a, a de facto um, demand on, you know, money out of our, our pocketbooks. It, it is a, a demand demand pool on inflation that causes inflation to rise as well. So there's a, there's a, a standpoint in the market to really be prepared for a lot of those nuances as they, as they come about. Okay, we are in a new year, it's 2024, um, and let's say that we set some certain goals for ourselves um, back in January 2023, and we didn't necessarily meet those goals, or, you know, there were certain circumstances that caused us to, let's say, change those goals. Um, how much should our previous, I guess, expectations and goals weigh on the ones that we set? Um, financially for 2024. Um, and, and, and what, I guess, advice do you have kind of going into 2024 that we should uh, start working on or focusing on? Yeah, so you should always uh, 
I mean, you can only know where you're going by knowing where you've been. So, you know, the goals and the, the parameters that you set historically in the past, you should, you should still um, review those and assess those and see if they're still current and see if they're still relevant to your current position, current day and current time now and, and use that every year annually as a as a footprint and as a foundation on building the next step and, and going into the next portion. You know, one thing that I advise people, um, families, when I work with them to, to always do is to develop a uh, family mission statement. And, you know, that family mission statement will, will you know, really be there um, for you daily for your family to live off of and understand what your core values are, but it's also a legacy that will be left to the generations to come and understand, you know, you know, what the matriarchs and patriarchs of the family really, truly value. And um, once you have that as a foundation, then annually I think you can build off of, you know, where you're going, what the goals are, and what you'll desire to do in the next day, the next year, the next month, um, whether it comes to professionally or personally or educationally or, or things of that nature. So I think that is a, a very, very telling thing to, to be able um, to do, look at the past, understand where you, you are, the goals that you made for 2021, 2022, 2023, and use that to, as the foundation for um, the years going forward. I want to also ask about, um, and I know we're not toward, we're not there yet per se, but uh, you know, graduation is going to be a few months down the road for a lot of people, um, mm-hmm. and you know, some decisions have been made, some decisions have not. Um, let's say we're starting a new year, we're making a new game plan, we're doing the budget and stuff like that, and we're like, oops. Uh, we have a high school graduate. Oops, we have a college graduate. Um, or, or oops, there's. Uh, we want to change and put someone in a school that is uh, more um, private and tuition based. Um, so, no matter what, what the certain scenario is, but um, in, in terms of planning for the kids and, and stuff like that, um, what should be the primary focus? primary focus for uh, specifically towards educational planning or just planning in general? Well, educational planning, um, I guess you could say, you know, if you want to hone in on something. But I guess you have to do some planning in general. Let's say you, you have a newborn, and, yeah, I mean, most people think about, you know, I've always got to plan for college. But there's other things that happen. You know, you have to plan on, on whether, you know, the you know like the growing economy in terms of inflation, where you are in your life, if there's other children and all that kind of stuff. Uh, you got to plan for that. You have to plan in case the uh, you have a child that has special needs. Um, so, I mean, just the planning for another uh, human being that you're the yeah. caretaker for, there's a lot involved in that. So let's say you just haven't fine-tuned that game plan at this point, but let's say now this is the time to do that. Where should your focus be? Uh, again, I guess assessing, you know, I always start off with assessing where we are today, you know, okay. you know that's a, that's a, the primary thing. Assess where we are today, and once you find that foundation, then you know state those goals that you have. Um, whether it's uh, down to the school you want them to go to, in school, in state tuition, out of state tuition, and everything. Just state those broad macro goals, and then take from where you are currently that foundation to that thirty thousand foot level up in the sky. How do we get there, and what's the steps that we take to, to get there and, and to that road, um, that roadmap? You know, what does it look like? And I think oftentimes, you know, when we do that process, we understand that we are – it really unearths a lot of confidence because, it under, you know, we understand that, you know, two or three or maybe even five or six of the, the steps we've already taken, and they, if we haven't taken them, taken them at this point, they could be very organic and natural for us to, to take those steps um, without having to make significant lifestyle changes. And then when you get past that initial phase, um, then you may realize that there's a few more things that you can do um, that may require some, some lifestyle changes. But 
there are things that will not impede upon your happiness or joy or anything. They're just kind of more so of tightening the belt and, and being able to, uh, to be a little stricter for certain things, and, and ultimately you'll reach those goals. So I think those, that, that primary focus initially is always assessing, especially at the, at the beginning of the year, assess, you know, where we are today. You know, we have the foundation of where we came from, but let's see where we are today, um, mm-hmm. with that history of where we came from, and then how do we continue and move forward to, you know, where we want to be or where we need to be in, in the future and, you know, to reach those potential goals. Okay. So then my other question is, what about the extra? For example, uh, a certain bonus that you may get for if you've gotten a Christmas bonus or if you've got, you get, um, let's say, uh, some sort of work-related bonus. Or the child that needed to have their college financed all of a sudden gets a full-ride scholarship and you have money that you set aside um, or you've won the lottery. Okay. So let's break that down because the temptation I know for some is um, – Either we're going to go on a world trip or we're going to, you know, we're going to splurge a little bit on ourselves. Or it's, well, we're going to pay down some other bills and we're still going to be living from, from paycheck to paycheck, so to speak, uh, because we, we've not set aside some money. So is there, is there um, uh, I guess I'm going to go back to the pie again or whatever. Um, and I know it, it depends on circumstances, but is there a way of, let's say, making it, I guess, serve multi-purposes so that you can do a little bit of splurging and you can do a little bit of saving and maybe you can do some paying down of some bills. Yeah. I I mean, when I complete financial plans and when I speak with with families um, and with businesses, businesses do financial planning too. It's, It's called budgeting. You know, you not only budget in the things that you need to secure, but you also budget in the things that you desire as well. There's nothing wrong with, you know, budgeting an extra um, few dollars or extra, you know, amount of money towards leisure and say, hey, this is, these are the goals that I want to reach, and along the way I'm going to reward myself as I reach certain metrics, and I'm going to reward myself by, um taking X amount of money and going on a shopping spree, taking X amount of money and going on a vacation. And, and this, is, this is my way of having some balance in my discipline. And it allows you to be more disciplined at the same time. So I, I, I see that a lot, and I think that's a great thing to do. Um, and, you know, having that plan in place is always great. It's different sometimes for the individuals when they, they win the lottery or they step into a large sum of money all of a sudden at one time without that planning already being there and planning forward because oftentimes that temptation does override, um, you know, human spirit kicks in and says, okay, now I have this. I'm going to go ahead and and spend and and live my life and enjoy my life uh, when in all actuality there are several, several steps that should be taken, um, you know, if you do step into a large sum of money, especially if you win the lottery. Um, from a safety standpoint, so those are those are things that I always you know tell people and, and suggest you know you, you know you're planning for education, you're planning for future, you're planning for the retirement, but also let's plan for tomorrow. Let's let's plan for the vacation that you want to take. Let's plan for um, whatever hobby it is that you like. Let's plan for a quick shopping spring. If, if, if you're someone that likes to go out and, and you have an affinity for watches, um, set that as a goal for yourself. You know, if, if I'm disciplined enough to save X amount of money, I'm going to take a certain percentage of that and be able to take it and, and um, put it towards something that I really, really want for myself. And you'll, you'll, you'll find throughout that process that you're training yourself to be more disciplined and you'll desire discipline more than the items that you can get from from spending that money and and it, it really works out psychologically you know really well for for many individuals you know I find myself now um, I, I used to be very I guess 
rational and 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 I thought okay I'm just I'm just too pent up I'm just you know gonna I'm just gonna throw caution to the wind and do some things and now I find myself trying to dial a whole lot of that stuff back so I, I think it just really is important to to have a, a balanced approach of some sort and just you know be prepared uh, to be a little bit flexible depending on the circumstances but not necessarily um, you know, throw caution to the wind or or do things on a whim or, or be impulsive um, with that, you know. And and even if you are, even if you are going to be impulsive, there's a budget for the impulse. <laughs> it is, yeah, it is. Whether you yeah. define that budget or, or not define it, oftentimes it is a budget for it because it's what we spend. And um, when we look back at it at the end of the day, um, we, we either have excitement about it or we have angst about it. So uh, the best thing mm. of, you know, that I always tell individuals is you want to have comfort with your money because if you don't have comfort with your finances and your money, um, you oftentimes will make bad decisions. So when you can find that comfort in your, in your money um, and let money be a source of comfort to you as opposed to a source of pain and you look at it that way, and the decisions mm-hmm. that you make will be, you know, so much more pleasing to you. And, and that's, that's true, you know, for anyone, whether you have uh, – whether you're the servant with one talent or the servant with five talents. Um, mm, no matter wow. what your status is, it's, it's very important just to find that comfort in it. Um, and just stepping on that for a second, and Matthew, that the servant with the one talent um, – uh, the t- two mice. He hid his Lord's money in, in the ground because he didn't find comfort um, in his ability to take it and multiply it and be able to be prudent and wise over it. So he thought it would be better to hide it and store it away instead of letting it work and, and be prudent for him. And he was found unfaithful in doing so. So the same is true uh, with us individually. You know, we have to be faithful over what we have no matter it's a great amount or a small amount. We have to be very, very, uh, very fruitful with it and understand and respectful of it. So that almost goes back to the um, uh, one of the initial questions I asked you about about uh, um, people, especially women with um, low economic uh, status, um, having enough confidence to do well in business matters. It almost goes back to that. So I guess the key, especially you know, if you're looking at making some adjustments this year, and no matter what your status is, is, um, you know, what tools do I need to make myself more confident in the business that I've chosen or make a confident decision to to cut losses and and maybe go into a different direction? Um, You know, it's just a matter of maybe doing some some gathering of tools, um, maybe in, investing in uh, a different plan or, or and, and uh, seeking out help, you know, those, those may be things that we need to think about. So we're going to take a break, and we're going to come back with more advice from Paul D. Shelton, Jr. of Warwick Shore Advisors. This is G's Power Hour. I've never had a so good entertainment, and we will be right back. wedding, reception, family reunion, planning a banquet, or some other fundraising event. Need to share your knowledge through a workshop or seminar, or it's a difficult time and you need to plan a wake or repast. Let us help. At our gatherings, let us reduce the stress and make the occasion memorable, treasured. Call our gatherings at 407-968-9387 or email ourgatherings at yahoo.com. Let us help plan your special event. Hi, I'm Tim Garrison. Uh, you may know me as Timmy G. <laughs> yeah, I know. It's been two decades, but I want you to know I'm back in the argument. And I've got a mix of music that can help you relax and chill out. It's smooth. It's relaxing. It's chill out jazz. The soulful mix of smooth jazz, soul, and smooth R&B. So join me every Wednesday night, 10 p.m. to midnight on KHAM Radio. Are you? Good afternoon. Welcome back to G's Power Hour. I never had it so good entertainment. I am your host, G. Thanks so much for being with us today. And uh, on Monday, we're talking a little house and home. Uh, we'll have Jabir Nadir on with us. So um, if you have mortgage questions, you know, make sure you 
or, you know, any home buying questions, make sure you tune in. Uh, we're back with Paul Z. Shelton, Jr. of Warwick Shore Advisors. Okay, what's, if we had to focus on something between <laughs> now and the next time you come on, let's say you have a month and you want to develop new habits. Um, I know they take some people, some, I guess, experts say some habits take 90 days to kind of solidify. So what would be, let's say, the one thing that you would want to work on solidifying starting now? That's a good question. Um, There's still so many different things. You know, I naturally look at, you know, investing and finances. I I typically get the same questions um, every year. Uh, You know, a lot of times, you know, people reach out to me and they ask about a Roth IRA, um, and I'll remind them, yeah, we talked about that. We opened up one, but you still haven't funded it. (laughs) You know, so a lot of times it's, you know, the discipline. Maybe, you know, that would be the focus is to to have more discipline and um, being able to follow through with a lot of the the goals that you have, whether they're financial or or non-financial goals. And a lot of times the best way to develop that discipline is, you know, by practice. So I know a lot of times they say, you know, people do a 21-day fast, and so they say sometimes, you know, anything that you do for 21 days becomes a habit. So maybe, you know, for 21 days or the remainder of this month, um, take time just to sit down uh, for five minutes and write out what your financial goals are. Every day, every day, write out those goals. And if those goals are, you know, exactly the same, which they should be, it shouldn't change too much, but write those goals or write those same goals or that one goal, write it out every day. And just take time writing that goal, sitting down with a pen and paper, and write that goal over and over again for 21 days. Um, somewhere in that 21-day period, I'm confident that you will take another step forward and start pursuing those. And you'll start engraving it in your mind and in your, your normal course of life and your normal course of the day and week and month to really start activating those internal constructs and moving forward with those, those goals that you have. Um, and, and that creates that discipline. Um, so I, I think that's the biggest thing I, I would say, you know, for individuals is, is to, to, you know, fortify that discipline internally well, whatever it is that you're reaching, I, you know, have a lot of people that, you know, we want, they'll look on social media or, or see somewhere, you know, you can invest in a Roth IRA for 30 years, of, you know, $500 a month, and next thing you know, 30 years from now, with 8% interest, you'll have $2 million in the account. And they're all excited about what's going to happen 30 years from now, but the paralysis comes into play, what you need to do today to get to that 30 years from now. And, and those stories are, are true. I, I have clients that have, have lived it, and they've done it just by being disciplined and investing a small amount, going to work every day, investing that amount every month, and, and any excess they have, putting it in there. And lo and behold, they'll have 3 or $4 million when they're going into retirement. So it does work. It's just a matter of being able to have that discipline and inability to, to – uh, to, to stick with it and, and get it done um, now. So in order to do that, you have to have that discipline. And sometimes that discipline just requires you to sit down, carve out five minutes a day, where you sit down, write down that thing that you want to do, and do it every day and, until you're able to have enough discipline to, to push forward with that idea. Is 30 days too soon to uh, expect to see any type of change or result? It's not. I don't think so. I think that 30 days is a, is a great thing. And you have to measure what change in results it means to you. So for some people, okay. a change in results may be, you know, just reaching out to a financial advisor, opening the account. Um, for some, that change in result could be, you know, I've sat down for five days and wrote out my plan. That's discipline within itself to be able to do that. Paul, thanks so much, and, you know, I hope you have a blessed rest of 2024 and look forward to talking with you again next month. Thank you. Likewise. God bless.
God bless. Have a wonderful weekend, everybody. This has been G's Power Hour. I never had it so good entertainment. Be well, be safe, be blessed, hug a loved one. And please remember, all real power comes from God. Take care.